Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. Man, we are so excited today. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I am in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Welcome, all you beautiful listeners. That's right. That's right. You guys are beautiful. We thank you guys so beautiful much. Beautiful people, yes. Listen, we got... Loving Torah. Loving Torah. That's right. Christians with Torah. Christians with Torah. CWT. CWT. <laughs> Christians with Torah. Hey, we're Christians with Torah. Mal, could you tell me more? Yep. Sure, Ryan, go ahead. Fill them in. Yep. So uh, a couple things going on. Uh, first off, I just want to say thanks for listening, guys. Uh, all the way from Norway. We had some folks listening from Oslo, Norway. I don't know who you are, but I want to give you my email address. It's ryan at twopraise.net. Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. And twopraise is T-O-P-R-A-I-S-E dot net, N-E-T. And so uh, if you guys want to reach out to us, also uh, here in the States, we've got uh, from Tucson and Vail, Arizona, a lot of people over there listening. Uh, I don't know who you guys are either. So same email address, ryan at praise.net. We want to hear from you. Uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa, still strong listening. I don't know. Again, don't know who you guys are, but we want to know. Uh, so if you guys want to shoot me an email and just say, hey, this is who we are. This is, you know, hey, we're in this part of this community or we don't have a community. We just want to connect with you and hear from you. And then also it looks like from Montana, Kalispell, Montana. And listen, if you're in a nearby city, uh, your Internet may just be telling um, us that this is the city that you're coming from. But you can correct me and tell me, oh, no, we're not in Cedar Falls or Kalispell or Tucson or Vail. We're actually in a suburb or, or this or that. Um, so thanks guys for listening. Like I said, we want to hear from you. We want to connect from you. This is a a two way experience. Um, we want your suggestions. We want your, uh, we want to pray for you guys. We want to love on you. We also want to thank you for your support. Um, some of you guys have been giving online. We really appreciate that. And so we just want to, want to thank you and connect with you. Um, next topic is Passover. All right. Pesach is coming up next week. So a week from tomorrow in the evening starts the April week. April 19th. That's right. April 19th starts the week of Passover. And uh, we want to encourage you guys that are listening to have seders in your home. So if you're not in part of a community where you go to a seder, or even if you are, um, we want to encourage you to invite people over or connect with someone else that's having a Passover seder and get to their home and have a seder. Uh, celebrate the feast of Passover. Uh, not with the old leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the new uh, uh, spirit of sincerity and truth. So uh, Passover stuff, if you guys need uh, us to email you some resources, or, or if you get to us in time and you want us to mail you some resources, some Haggadah books or something like that, uh, please reach out to us. You can call the office here at 813-654-2222, or you can email me at ryan at topraise.net, as you guys have already heard. So uh, Passover is a big deal, guys. And if you're you're getting to the Hebrew roots, you want to celebrate the feast. This is a, a something that will really... I mean, it's all academic until you start getting involved. And so we want to encourage you guys to participate in what the Lord is doing. Last but not least, today is episode number 90. That's 90, 90. episodes wow, we, we have done. By the grace of God, we go. Oh, praise the Lord. Let me tell you. 
And uh, and in this episode, we are studying the Torah portion because we are Christians with Torah. Duh. CWT. That's right. And so uh, Metzora is the Torah portion. It means a leper or person with skin disease. It can be found in the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 14 and verse 1, all the way through to chapter 15 and verse 33. Very good. Once again, we are, of course, breaking up the book of Leviticus into two... Sections, uh, chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the, uh, of course, the what? Walk with God. So the way to God? The way to God is chapters 1 through 17. And then 18 through the end yeah, is... Yeah, the way, and then, of course, the walk with God is 18 to 27, yeah. So the way and then the walk. And we are, of course, still making our way here as we are in chapters 14 and 15. And this book actually begins with consecration and ends with consecration. Uh, you shall be holy is the theme. So we're going to go ahead and begin Medzora, person with skin disease in Leviticus chapter 14 and verses 1 through 10. Uh, Ryan's going to be reading, and we love the public reading of scriptures. We sure do. All right, chapter 14 and verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. Then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive, and clean, and cedar, and wood, uh, cedar wood, and scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As the living bird, he shall. Uh, as for the living bird, he shall take it, and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him. Uh, he shall, he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. And he, sh- and he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and wash himself in water that he may be clean. And after that, he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days. But it shall be... On the seventh day that he shall shave all his hair off, his beard, I'm sorry, his head and his beard and his eyebrows and all his hair he shall shave off and he shall wash his clothes. Also, he shall wash his flesh in water and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day, he shall take two he lambs without blemish and one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish and three Tenth deals of fine flour for a meat offering mingled with fine uh, mingled with oil, and one log of oil. Boom, one through ten. A lot of good stuff there. Interesting how uh, how that goes down with the the birds, and then after he's cleansed, he had to stay outside the house for for uh, seven days. And you know, there's a lot more uh, to Mazora than we could probably even discuss, but. Uh... Once again, we are talking about a, uh, a skin disease. So basically, the priest becomes the dermatologist. You know, um, as we look at the purification of a leper, uh, the priest would have to go outside the camp to see if a leper was healed. You know, he would have to go outside the camp. Uh, this whole thing about outside the camp is very interesting. But uh, yeah, he would have to go outside the camp to see if a leper was healed. Um, and of course, the... Uh, the, the following was needed for the le- healed leper to bring to the priest so that they would be cleansed. It would be uh, two birds alive and clean, 
with cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. <clears throat> Once again, cedarwood, uh, two birds alive, clean. Cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. Uh, Leviticus 14.4. Uh, one of the birds was to be killed, and the other was to be let loose into the open field. There's a whole process for all of that. We're not going to get into all of that. But uh, it, it's interesting in regards to the ingredients. The two birds, two is a witness, uh, cedarwood, <clears throat> then scarlet, and hyssop. Hyssop is actually a, a, a cleanser. It cleanses it. it you know, cleanse me with hyssop, I believe, uh, is in the Psalms. And so once again, uh, you know, we can see that. Uh, once again, one of the birds was to be killed, and the other was to be let loose into the open field. And, uh, of course, the priest had to sprinkle the healed leper seven times. Uh, so this is a good report. This is a great report. He had to sprinkle the, the healed leper seven times. Once again, we are talking about the ceremonial part of the law, everyone. The ceremonial part of the law. And so as you say to yourself, well, we don't really do these things anymore or this or that. I can respect that. But let me submit something to you. You know, we can understand a lot of that. But the bottom line is this. What's the principle? What's the principle? You know what I've discovered about ceremonial laws? It slows you down. It's like the three branches of government. You just can't be like a bull in a china shop. You can't just bull rush somebody or something. It has to be meticulous, planned out, step by step. You know what I mean? And I, and I like that about the Lord. He, he allows us to slow down, to reflect, to think. And I think that's what we're missing in the society. We're, we're missing the point to stop and, and, and sit down and just reflect and have a spiritual audit. So the number seven means completion. So he had to uh, sprinkle the healed leper seven times. <clears throat> and then, of course... Um, the three things the healed leper had to do in order to come back into the camp. He had to do three things. He couldn't just storm back into the camp. He had to do three things, Ryan. He had to wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water. And by all his hair, they mean like <clears throat> eyebrows, beard, head, I mean the whole bit. I, I believe so. I mean, if you think about it. So, um, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's the steps that had to be taken, you know. Uh, it's so funny that even in, in today's society, even in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, so many people put themselves outside the camp and they don't even know it. Like I can do this on my own. Where in the Bible does it say, I've called you out to be alone. Hmm. I've called you out to be by yourself. I don't see that, Ryan. I see where God wants to bring people together and accomplish something. You know, and that's the greatest thing I can say as, as far as a praise report of Beit Tehillah. All the things that the Father has shown us to do in, in, in a vision or instructions, there is a remnant, there is a core group, there is a group of people that that do it. Like we're getting ready for Passover now. There's a core group that's going to get ready for Passover. You know, uh, we're going to be counting the Omer. You know, the, all of us we're going to be counting the Omer. So I think it's an exciting time to look at this and understand this. Uh, and then, of course, on the eighth day, the healed leper had to perform additional sacrifices. Uh, on the eighth day. Uh, it was the sin and the trespass offering uh, that belonged to the priest. The sin and trespass offering belonged to the priest. Um, and then going on in these sacrifices in chapter uh, 14, because we're in verse 14, uh, where three parts of the body <clears throat> did the priest apply the blood of the trespass offering on the healed leper? It's interesting. It was the tip of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the great toe of the right foot, which is the same as the sanctification for the priest. Right. So think about your life. What are you hearing? What are you grabbing and doing? And where are you going with your feet? Uh, now, the priest sprinkled the oil with his finger before the Lord seven times. And of course, the oil was also applied to the healed leper's ear, thumb, and great toe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Ryan, if you think about it, <clears throat> without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So here's the blood which shows atonement, 
But why the oil? The oil sanctifies you. Oil sets you apart, you know, and that's what we see in Leviticus 14, 17. Oil was applied to the healed leper's ear, thumb, and great toe. Uh, now, there was provision for a poor leper so they could make sacrifices with two turtle doves or two young pigeons. So once two again, turtle there doves. was provision for a poor leper so they could make sacrifices with two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Remember the uh, degrees of sacrifices. We have the uh, the poor, the middle class, and then the, the rich. Uh, so the, the, the rich could do a bowl, you know, the middle class, the lamb, goat, or whatever. And then, of course, you have the poor could always do birds uh, or even just flour, you know, at one point. Um, which is interesting, <clears throat> you know. As we as we look at this, you know, this is all ceremonial, and uh, once again, it's a skin condition. And uh, what we're looking at is that you know something's going on on the inside. You know, time doesn't permit to to really go into great detail all the examples of leprosy found in the Bible, but there are a few that are very interesting in in regards to rebellion. Sure. So leprosy would actually equal symbolic of sin or something's wrong. Uh, we know that Miriam came against uh, uh, Moses, her own brother, who was chosen as a leader. Even God rebuked her and struck her with leprosy. Uh, Moses cried out for her, interceded for her, but she had to be put outside the camp. And for how many days, Ryan, before she would be healed? Seven days. Seven days. So so I guess he healed her, but she had to be outside the camp for seven days uh, to be set an example. So once again, she came against leadership. Yeah, which is an interesting point because, I mean, this is Moses' sister, that's right. She was the elder, too. Right. She was the firstborn. And so nobody... Then Aaron, then Moses. That's how you can look yeah. at the birth order. Nobody's above the law, not even Judge Dredd. Interesting, you know. That's why, you know, when you have family relatives in ministry, it can be a little tricky, you know, especially <laughs> yeah, if right. one is above the other, you right. know, what right. are you going to do? If one gets the calling, and and uh, and so it's interesting. Uh, also, remember the example of King Uzziah? Uh, you know, he was... Uh, Started out really great, and then got strong in his heart. Strong in his heart means there's pride. You get bigger, you know, than you really are. You too big for your britches per se. And that's actually actually it's interesting because, uh, and I'm not going to go to that reference. You can look it up later. King Uzziah, do, do the look up. But um, if I'm not mistaken, he he actually uh, overcame 80 priests that tried to stop him. 80 priests tried to stop him from lighting the incense because he wanted to do the incense in the in the on the altar of incense. And so he stormed it, whatever. And, by the time he got there and everything, he, leprosy broke out on his whole body. Yeah, and he died a leper. See, it wasn't his role to do that. So many times we take on a role we're not supposed to have. Oh, we forget what that movie was by Mel Brooks, and he's like, "Oh no, it was it was Hook from Peter Pan." So the Peter Pan one, the way they called Hook, the live one. Interesting. And he goes, "Don't try to stop me, Smee. Don't try to stop me. Don't you try to stop me." And then he's like. What are you doing? Get over here and stop me. You know what I mean? I just imagine King Uzziah well, that, probably should have done something like that. He probably should have. <laughs> he, he was out of bounds. You know, that's what happens when we get out of bounds. We can hurt ourselves and we can hurt others. So two examples of leprosy. Uh, uh, one of the interesting things as far as a ceremonial law given to even a foreigner, uh, Naaman, what, was he like the Assyrian uh, captain of the host of the army uh, of the Assyrians? He um, had leprosy. And... Um, he was told by the prophet to uh, dunk in the Jordan River seven times. Uh, it's not the Euphrates, it's the, it's the Jordan, and that he would be healed. Once again, that's a ceremonial law instruction. Do you see that? That's, that's, that's well, a and, ceremonial And to that point, part. you mentioned ceremony, right? And so ceremonial, yeah. I think we have to be careful not to have Naaman's attitude, because Naaman's attitude was, you know, really? I, you mean, I, I thought you were going to heal me, you know, Mr. Prophet. 
And it took, you know, his humble servant, Naaman's servant, to say, you know, if he would have told you to go do some, you know, extravagant thing or pay all this money or sacrifice all these animals or whatever, you would have done it. But because he said something simple, like go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, you're resistant, right? And so I think that some of these things, we can quote unquote call them ceremonial, but maybe God's just looking for simple obedience. You know, and it's interesting too, because even um, Naaman said that, you know, he's going to worship this God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when he goes back. He doesn't care about about anything else. We won't get into all that because you can look that up later. But of course, leprosy is mentioned in other places of the Bible as well. And uh, I want to read Matthew uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Well, what, what about leprosy in the New Testament? Did Yeshua heal lepers in the New Testament? All right. Did he heal lepers in the New Testament? Let's, let's read it here. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So once again, Yeshua is telling the leper to follow the ceremonial parts of the law. Now that you're healed, follow those instructions. Offer those sacrifices. That's brilliant. I mean, that's, that's incredible right there. And you know what I love about this? Here's the leper looking for Yeshua for his healing and believing. And, and he actually says, you know, um, Lord, if it be your will, you can make me clean. You can heal me of this leprosy. I know that you can do this. And he has this anticipation. And so... Yeshua just basically says, you know, hey, listen, I will. Be thou clean. Yeah, he does. You know, so it's just like, you know, I'm saying to the Lord, hey, Lord, uh, I want to be a part of the restoration and regathering of the whole house of Israel. And he says, okay. He says, okay, come on. <laughs> okay, have Judah come to your house, you know, play with Judah, be with Judah, you know, and play nice. But, you know, this is what it's all about. You know, there's another example. He give you the desires of your heart. There's another example of Jesus healing a group of lepers. That's true. I'll, I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, well, it's, it's, well, it's just it's 10 lepers, and right. he tells them to go um, and show themselves to the priests. And, but they get healing on their way, right? So he doesn't heal them right there. Right. He heals them, and he even tells this guy that you're mentioning to go to show himself to the priest. But um, the, the 10 lepers, only one of them turns around and runs back to him once he's healed. And thanks him. So before he makes it to the priest, he realizes that he's healed, and he goes back and he falls at, at, at Yeshua's feet in gratitude. And uh, that's just a good example of the attitude that we should have. But you didn't know? didn't Yeshua ask where's the other nine? He did. That's my point. You know, only one. He's went probably back. asking a lot of people, "How come you're not in this movement? What are you doing? Where are you at? Or where are you going? Why don't you stop and, and think? Here's the thing. It's all about Yeshua, right? All of this. You know, we talk about the Torah and all these things. He's the living, walking, breathing Torah. We are thankful for the author of the Torah, and we read it because he is the author, and we worship and we follow him. Amen? That's awesome. That That's awesome. So once again, um, I believe you can find this in uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19 as well, uh, healing of, of lepers. So uh, we're going to look at um, the cleansing of infected houses. So we know skin can have leprosy, but what about a home? Can a home have leprosy? Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, the house has to be emptied out before the priest could inspect it. 
The house has to be emptied out before the priest could inspect it. Uh, if there was evidence on the walls of the house of a plague, then seven days were required for the house to be shut up and then later inspected. If the plague spread throughout the house, they would take the stones and cast them into an unclean place without the city. Once again, there's a clean place and there's an unclean place. After the removal of the stones, the house would be scraped. Okay. Uh, so, of course, here, here's a good question. Uh, what would happen uh, to a house where the plague of leprosy continued to grow? Uh, well, they'd have to uh, tear the whole house down. I it mean, would be destroyed. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's out of control. It would be destroyed. Uh, you know, it's like replacing your drywall or whatever. You know, we had some water damage, and so... Uh, it didn't affect the walls because the water only got two inches inside the uh, bedroom into the uh, hallway, living room, fireplace area. But they were able to dry that out with some machines. Uh, and, of course, the hole wasn't left open. It was covered. So no more water damage, which is very interesting because we could have uh, some serious uh, wall damage uh, that we could have had last September. Uh, basically... Uh, I just want to remind all of you in Leviticus 14, verses 48 through 53, the purification process is the same for a house as it is for a person healed from leprosy. Correct. Wow, you know, uh, home sweet home, you know. Uh, purification process is the same for a house as it is for a person healed from leprosy. And we already talked about that earlier on in Leviticus 14, what that was, what that entailed. Um, and, of course, moving on here, um, the three things that leprosy can contaminate Three things are skin, clothing, and houses. Skin, clothing, and houses uh, can be contaminated. Remember that. Three things. Skin, clothing, and houses. Um, you know, what are some other ways that we can contaminate skin, clothing, and houses other than leprosy? Think about it. Uh, what about wearing a T-shirt with, with something improper on it? Like something derogatory or... You know, sexually was, immoral or... Yeah, I was thinking more like uh, touching a dead body or the carcass of an unclean animal. Right. That's true. That's true. Uh, other than leprosy, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to bring it up to modern times, you know. Um, what about contaminating our skin? You know, there's so many people doing body piercing and, and tattoos and you know what I mean? And so uh, they don't understand the uh, the commandments of God and not to mark your body or whatever, you know. Uh, and it's interesting, too, you know, uh, these people that are uh, cutting themselves, you know. Uh, we can see that in the Bible. That's a spirit. You know, God God wants to tell you that your your, your body is a temple uh, for the Holy Ghost. It's a, it's a temple for the Lord. Uh, and so we have to take care of it, spirit, soul, and body. So uh, it's interesting that this is even going on today. I do believe they're cutting their themselves, the prophets of Baal, remember? Before the great sacrifice, you know, before yep. the, the Lord consumed the sacrifice and and uh, the prophet said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve, uh, you know, Baal or, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, so once again, uh, we can see where uh, houses can, can be contaminated. What if you have little Buddhist statues and all kinds of other things in there? Yeah, you know, in, in the commerce realm, because I'm obviously in a lot of businesses, there's a lot of places I go into, restaurants or uh, nail salons and stuff like that, and they will have altars set up in those places, and they'll have uh, food or whatever sacrificed uh, or offered to these um, to these you know deities or whatever it is that they're they're worshiping. 
and they'll have like little, you know, little stuff there. See, that's modern day times. Yeah. And people and burning say, oh, that's incense. the Old Testament. They don't do that anymore. You burning incense. Do. No, but it, it's funny. A lot of times you walk in and you see uh, the little, what's that Chinese cat for good luck with the hand that just keeps oh, moving, yeah. the perpetual moving hand, you know, and it's like, uh, that's an idol or like a statue of Buddha. Um, that's an idol. <laughs> oh, but that doesn't it's, happen it's anymore. Interesting. You know, I think Buddha needs a keto diet. <laughs> So once again, think about it. You know, what's in your home? You know, the Holy Spirit will show you these things, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes we can have things in our home that we shouldn't have or, or whatever. But anyway, you know, we, we want this to be a, a place for the Lord. You know, it's funny, uh, going back to, to, the, uh, to the homes, Ryan, uh, it's been said that um, this was given to the children of Israel about um, mold in the home because, you know, the Canaanites had idols, and uh, as they would go into the promised land, he said, I, I, would, I will have you dwell in houses you did not build. Well, what happened is um, a lot of the uh, Canaanites buried their idols in the walls. And so what happened is because of the moisture and over a period of time, it would begin to bleed through. Now think about this, Yikes, everyone. Yikes, man. That's, that's so bad. what happened is they would say, hey, you're noticing something. So what would happen is that because there's an inspection of your home, they'll be able to find the household idols that were in the walls because it would start to bleed through. Yeah, because they'd yeah. have to scrape those walls and then so, open it up. And So it's kind of interesting how, you know, even culturally speaking, you know, God did not want those idols in the walls. So he would reveal it through, of course, a period of time. It would bleed through, and then you'd go in the wall and you'd find the idols. That's and they would expose themselves. Something else, man. So it is something, you know. The Lord shows us these things, you know. So something to think about, culturally speaking. You can study this for yourself. You can research it out for yourself. Go back to the culture. Go back to the times. Remember, only have one God. Don't make idols. Uh, it's real simple. So we're going to move on to Levit Leviticus chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. And Ryan's going to read uh, those verses. Uh, unclean discharges from the body. So we're going to get into the the fluids and all kinds of interesting things. Let me just tell you, this is my favorite topic. <laughs> Listen, no. here's what's cool about this. This is proof that the Bible deals with pretty much everything. Absolutely. There's not a topic. God created it. That's he right. He created the fluids. Well, and you got to think that uh, if you've got something going on and you have this like uh, inkling inside of you that says that God doesn't care, that's a lie from the enemy. God cares. He even cares about unclean discharges from the body. So here we go. Uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When any man hath a running issue out of his flesh, because of his issue he is unclean. And this shall be his uncleanness in his issue. Whether his flesh run with his issue, or his flesh be stopped from his issue, it is his uncleanness. Every bed whereon he lieth that hath the issue is unclean, and everything whereon he sitteth, shall be unclean. And whosoever toucheth his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And he that sitteth on anything whereon he sat that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And he that toucheth the flesh of him that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even." And if he that hath the issue spit upon him that is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And what, sit, and what saddle soever he rideth upon, 
that hath the issue shall be unclean, and whosoever toucheth anything that was under him shall be unclean until even, and he that beareth any of those things shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. Wow. I mean, I find this fascinating. I also find it fascinating because, you know, the next portion that we're going to talk about is about, um, you know, women and their menstrual cycle, um, which God also cares about, by the way. But it, it, it's fascinating to me that there's a whole portion here that deals with the men first. And, uh, you know, you don't hear about, about that. You know, when, anytime somebody mentions Leviticus or, um, you know, like your mainstream, uh, you know, uh, theological thought process in Christianity is that, uh, oh, the law's done away with it. And then the first thing they mention is, you know, like the laws of discharge in Leviticus. But they always mention it about women. Everybody leaves it out that, you know, God's not sexist, right? I mean, he's like, look, you know, I look at these things, you know, the blood is holy. Uh, these fluids, uh, you know, the seed of the man is holy, right? And these things uh, can make you unclean or not set apart if you happen to encounter them and stuff like that. And so even like if it touches an earthen vessel, um, you know, versus something that is is smooth like, uh, like wood or um, metal, uh, then the, the earthen vessel had to be broken. You can't just use that vessel again. Um, also, uh, if it touched a vessel of wood, like I mentioned, uh, by the unclean male with a running sore, it could be rinsed with water and washed out, uh, which makes sense. Now, we scientifically understand that today, but they didn't have, you know, a real understanding of these things back then. But now we see that, oh, wow, well, God, God created all of this stuff, and maybe he knew what he was talking about. And so, uh, just like these other uh, uncleanness things, uh, it took seven days for the cleansing of a male with a running sore. Now, keep in mind, this is a running sore. This is, you know, you get... Open sore. Yeah, open sore. You get scraped or, or boil or whatever, right. and it's 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 running with pus. The life and, of the flesh is in the blood. That's right. So think about the fluids, whether it's blood or the seed of the man. We're going to be looking at that as well. Uh, everything that the unclean man touched would be considered unclean. So it's just showing you a state of being, uh, what's happening here. Uh, moving on, as far as fluids go... Leviticus chapter 15, verse 8. And if he that hath the issue spit upon him that is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening or the even. Amen. Now, think about this. Uh, what comes to my mind is this. Uh, wow, look at this example. And Miriam is punished. You know, she gets struck with leprosy. Remember that? Uh, in Numbers 12... 14, the Lord's going to give correction to Miriam. He's telling Moses this. Now check this out. And the Lord said unto Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that, that let her be received in again. Wow. Isn't that interesting? You know, you know if, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days. And after that, let her be received in again. So he's giving you an example here of, of fluids, of spit, um, you know. And uh, the interesting thing is he, he's trying to show this. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't know where it's at. But remember, Yeshua took spit and made it into something. Huh. Mud. Yes, and he put did. put it on the blind man's eyes. Like a salve or whatever, yeah. And so, you know, he's kind of setting a precedent that this all comes from him. 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but it's just something to think about because God doesn't change. So what's the principle? What, what's, what's going on here? God is trying to show you about the fluids of the body, uh, that they have to be addressed. You can't just carelessly, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you can't take just the oil out of your car and dump it in the, in the ground. Right. You know, you're going to hurt the earth. That's you're going to hurt right. your water supply. It's going to seep down and go in the water supply or whatever, ruin the soil. So think about that, everybody. Even the fluids uh, have, have clean and unclean connotations. Uh, and of course, an earthen vessel touched by a male with a running sore would be broken. An earthen vessel made of clay or whatever. But a vessel of wood doesn't have really the, uh, um, the ability to soak in very much. But touched by an unclean male with a running sore would be rinsed in water. Once again, a vessel of wood touched by an unclean man with a running sword would be rinsed in water. And of course, uh, seven days were required for cleansing a male with a running sword. Okay, very interesting. Um, on the eighth day, the man would have to bring to the priest two turtle doves or two young pigeons for his cleansing. The priest made atonement for the man with a running sword by offering one bird for a sin offering and the other bird for a burnt offering. Now, here we go, gentlemen. If a male spills his seed, he is unclean until evening. Uh, Leviticus 15, 16. Uh, very interesting. If a male spills his seed or his semen, he is unclean until evening. That's why, you know, uh, the Bible would speak against, you know, speak against that. So once again, it's the male's uh, seed. It's the semen. It's, li it's liquid. Uh, and of course, he was required to wash with water. And we can see that uh, even in the mail, everything is detailed out and that you need to understand the principle behind it, you know, because the woman has the egg and you have the seed and, and that's how she becomes, you know, if she's fertile, uh, then the, the, the seed takes, takes hold, you know. Uh, I think it's just uh, one sperm that makes it out of how many? <laughs> like millions. <laughs> a yeah. lot of them. Yeah. So, you know, it's a delicate operation there. I mean, when you think about it, it's a very fascinating study the creation of a life. Because remember, if you remember anything from this podcast, remember that God is a creator and he's created all these things. And so he's got the, uh, the ability to show us how to guide us through life, even when it comes to bodily fluids, believe it or not. Uh, and of course, now all of a sudden, we're going to switch gears and going, go into the, uh, the women. Uh, and that's found, of course, uh, we can find this, of course, in uh, Leviticus 15, 19, uh, a woman was set apart if she had an issue of blood for seven days. Uh, that's Leviticus 15, 19. So that's her monthly cycle is what we're looking at, aren't we, Ryan? We're looking at a monthly cycle of a woman. Uh, and you are not to have intimate relations when she is unclean, when she is going through this cycle. Remember, it's not her fault. It's not a sin. It's a cycle of uncleanness. Her body is doing something every month. Just like the, the new moon, like the, the Rosh Kodesh, the new month, you know, uh, something's happening. And so she would actually be unclean for seven days. It goes on to say if a woman with an issue of blood sat on something, it would be unclean. Uh, Leviticus 15, 20 goes on to say if someone sat on something that an unclean woman sat on, uh, they would be considered unclean. Uh, if someone was determined to be unclean because of making contact with an unclean woman, uh, they would need to wash their clothes and bathe in water. Now, what I want to remind everyone is the fact that, you know, back in those days, they didn't have the hygiene they have today or the products or the care. Uh, of course, in closing it up here, it says the woman was required to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons on the eighth day. Uh, and so we can see that. 
This offering was to make atonement for her after her cycle. Uh, even, even Mary brought sacrifices after having Yeshua. She uh, came to the temple and offered up those required sacrifices after having a male child. You know, so many times people say, well, there's no more temple and this and that. But remember, we understand all that. God doesn't change. But just remember this, everyone. Look for the principle. Look for the principle, and you'll gain an incredible amount of knowledge about the Lord. You know, this is what the Lord requires. This is where we're at. This is what's going on. And so we can see that uh, actually being played out right now. So once again, I guess uh, we also have a uh, woman with the issue of blood, and Ryan's going to share that a little bit. Um, we have a woman with the issue of blood. That's right. In the so Bible, she actually... Uh, correct. There's a woman... I'm, I'm going to find that. Yeah, no, it's a woman with an issue of blood. Everybody knows that she she grabbed the seats seats on, on, or I should say, the hem of, of Jesus' garment. And so we just read through the laws of uh, making somebody clean or unclean uh, by virtue of, of uh, discharge of some sort. Women on their monthly cycle, men when they have some sort of, uh, you know, a sore or something of those of that nature. And so uh, think of it, you're in a society where everybody understands this idea of clean and unclean. And so it's a big deal for this woman to push her way through a crowd, most likely of, of mainly men, and then touch a rabbi. I mean, we're talking that this was, this was boldness and this was extreme faith on her part because she had an issue of blood, but she had a perpetual issue of blood. Twelve years. Right. And, and so in her instance, we're talking about uh, somebody who had obviously thought this through and was looking for a healing, had faith enough to go outside the community norms and grab him by his garment. Why don't we go ahead and read that, Ryan? Where are you at? Let's, let's go ahead and read Matthew 9, 20. That's the New Testament, right? Yes, Matthew 9, 20. All right, 9 in uh, verse uh, 20. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, verses uh, 20 to 22. He's going to Jairus' daughter to raise her from the dead because, you know, yeah, and that, so he was on his way to do something, and he gets interrupted with this. So it's a story within a story. Yeah, it says here, it says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned uh, him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrel, uh, the minstrels, and the people making a noise. Anyways, this is the continuation of the story. But Jairus's daughter being raised from the dead. But the point here is that. Um, is that this issue of blood was for 12 years. So now think of that in the context of how... And mid- she's dead. The daughter, Jairus' daughter's dead, and he's going to touch her. Right. So here's two two moments. Two unclean things. Right. And so here's... Sure it overrides. So I say, wow. I say a couple of things, but I want to stress just this point, that for 12 years, this woman has been had to be weary of where she sits, what and who she touches... You know, by the end of by this point, everybody in her community knows she can't be touched. Don't sit where it she sits. It says right there he took her by the hand, Ryan. She's ostracized. It says right there she he took her by the hand and she was raised from the dead. That right. And then the one with issue blood touched him. That's right on his clothes. So he is the source of cleanness, though. So so check this out. So these are these are cool details, but just imagine how how miserable this woman was. Well, now she touches Yeshua. 
the question now is, is Yeshua unclean? Well, according to Leviticus, the answer is yes. And so this is a big point for our our uh, people coming into Torah. Not to take nothing away from the Son of God. No, but the idea of clean and unclean principle. Does, does not mean sinful and righteous, or righteous and sinful, right? Clean doesn't equal righteous, and sinful doesn't equal... I'm sorry, and, and unclean doesn't equal sinful. Uh, and that's an important point to make. It's it's just a status. It's a status of the, the present condition of the individual. State of being. And whether or not they are are set apart at that moment to perform uh, duties in the temple and or to perform certain other public functions. And and so when you're unclean, there's a process. You take care of this, and then boom, you're you're clean again. Somebody who touches a dead body, Yeshua, in the very next you know set of verses, brings somebody who is dead to life by grabbing them by the hand. That's a dead body that becomes alive. Now, I don't know about you guys, but we've read through Leviticus at this point uh, up to now, and we know that somebody who touches a dead body is unclean, and there's a process for them to become clean. And so Yeshua being the source of cleanliness and the high priest is obviously able to handle all of these things. I don't, I don't know uh, all of the ins and outs of it. I only know what I plainly read from the scriptures, but it excites me to note that when you become unclean, God has provided a way for you to become clean. I think where uncleanliness becomes a sin is in kind of two conditions. Number one, when you become unclean on purpose in disobedience. So the Bible says, don't do this, don't do that, right? Uh, specifically in Leviticus regarding this clean and unclean thing. When you start doing things on purpose in disobedience to God, oh, I'm only unclean till evening. I, I, I would say that you need to take that up with your Creator as to whether or not that's disobedience. And if it is in fact disobedience, it's a sin. Uh, the second way would be is if you were to become unclean uh, as your fault or not your fault, either way, knowingly or unknowingly, and then perform duties that required you to be clean. That would also be a sin, whether you were aware of your uncleanliness or not, and would require uh, a process of atonement. Wow, that's amazing. Think about it. So once again, we're just we're just sharing the, the little scriptures with you. And uh, you know we're not we're not going to you know go into great detail because you know we have the Holy Spirit, and uh, we need to understand that. Um, but we're going to look at. Uh, I'm going to have Ryan read um, Leviticus fifteen thirty one because it goes to thirty three this particular chapter. But let's check out Leviticus fifteen thirty one. Yeah, it's a great a great verse. It says, "Thus shall ye separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, that they die not." In their uncleanness, when they defile, uh, when they defile my tabernacle, that is among them. Wow. So here's I got a couple points about this verse because I do love this verse. So the first thing uh, point I want to make is God's prescription for uncleanness is separation. So the unclean things are things that we need to get away from. We want to separate ourselves from uncleanness. So when God says, "What is his uh, his way of getting things?" Uh, clean is to separate yourself, separate the children of Israel, separate the community from uncleanness. The second thing is he says, when they defile my, the, my tabernacle that is among them. You know, more than just uh, the spiritual and religious significance of the tabernacle, the tabernacle also has a lot of social significance. I mean, there's a lot of verses that talk about the millions of people standing at the door of the tabernacle. This is a uh, a public gathering place. So is the temple. Uh, in the first temple period and in the second temple period. You have millions of people coming in and out of this place. So cleanliness and cleanness was very important to prevent harm to the people from 
unclean things. Literally, we now know and understand some more scientific uh, uh, things that cause these things, but they understood them because God gave them ways to prevent issues uh, uh, from you know, the spread of disease and, and so on and so forth. Interesting. You know, what kind of threw me off, everyone? Once again, look for the principle. Look for the principle, uh, and you'll understand, you know, how is it relevant for today? And that's why we need the Holy Spirit, you know? You don't go after people in, in, in that regard, you know. Hey, you know, you can't come into the church for 80 days. You had a daughter. You can't come in here. You've had a male. You've had 40 days. you got to be out of the camp. And, you know, this is something we all have to decide on and look at personally as well. But we're not going to put those demands on the individuals in the church. We need to kind of leave that up to you. Uh, but once again, I, I want to just reiterate something very interesting in regards to the principle. Uh, in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, I'm going to read it. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Wow. Out of the 17 works of the flesh, uncleanness is number three. After adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and I'm not saying he's doing it in any certain order. He goes into lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 17 works of the flesh. So quit blaming the devil for your fleshly desires and attitudes and actions. The flesh is the flesh, like outbursts of anger. That's not the devil. That's you. Okay, fornication, that's not the devil, that's you. Matter of fact, the word fornication is the Greek word pornea, where we get pornography, porno, amen. Uh, once again, the word uncleanness is found as the third work of the flesh, which is not good, folks. Paul mentions uncleanness, and it's the Greek word akatharsia. Now, check this out in the Greek, in the Strong's Concordance, so what's the connotation of uncleanness in the New Testament in the 17 works of the flesh? It simply means impurity, physical or moral, Ryan. It's right there, folks. Would, would the clean and unclean be applicable to today? Well, if you could say that uncleanness is a work of the flesh, we should strive to be on uh, we should strive to be clean, not unclean. So just a little food for thought uh, in that regard. And so, uh, any last thoughts on that, Ryan, before we get to, into the last two lessons um, we can learn from? Just, just that uh, Paul says uncleanness. I don't, I don't know where the confusion is about whether or not it's we uh, have a conscience, a work of the flesh, or not. But um, uh, it definitely there is. Uh, you know, it's funny. Galatians is one of the chapter or one of the books that is most used most commonly to say that Paul said the the, the commandments of God are done away with, um, when it says obviously quite the contrary. But other than that, it's just funny that he also talks about the works of the flesh in there, and all of them, you know, pretty much... 17. Now, some other versions of the Bible only list 15. I'm going with the King James Version, that there are 17 works of the flesh, yep. and we will deal with them one at a time. Matter of fact, 17 is the number that, uh, or the age that Joseph was when he was thrown into the pit. He was 17 years old. Uh, just something to think about. Uh, in closing here, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion of Medzora? 
person with skin disease in Leviticus chapter 14, verse 1 through chapter 15 and verse 33 from a consensus of the group. This is what we do every Monday night, folks. We are so looking forward for those of you that are local to come and join us in our groups. We have plenty of facilitators, plenty of room, plenty of outlines, and it is exciting. Once again, once the tour portion is, 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 of course, discussed and shared. It comes that Friday night, and you have seven days to enjoy that. Uh, then we move on to the next Torah portion. Of course, we've already achieved uh, the book of Genesis and Exodus. We're in the heart of Leviticus now. And uh, I would like to share one of the lessons that can be learned from the Torah portion of Mitzorah is that God is a God of, of, of order. Uh, he's a God of order. So I, I believe, if you want to put in parentheses, uh, there are steps to healing and deliverance. Uh, there are steps to be right with God. You know, it's not just speaking it, but it's doing it. You know, quit talking and start walking. So remember that. There are steps that we have to take to be in right standing with the Lord and to achieve that that relationship that we want to have with Him uh, in regards to unfinished business or circumstances that weren't handled properly. He wants us to handle them biblically and by His Spirit. So once again, I would say that the, the first lesson that, that I've learned from this is that there is an order or steps to be taken uh, when there's a fault or a sin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I uh, my two points here that we got in our group, which, um, which was a fantastic time. We really enjoyed it on Monday night. Uh, but the first one was that it's all about the health uh, of the camp. Um, think of the this section as the public health regulations uh, of the Bible, right? That if we were to bring this into modern times, this is public health regulations. Um, but it's it's not just necessarily uh, about the physical health; it's also about the spiritual health, um, because the understanding of clean and unclean is very important, right? If you'll eat anything, you'll you'll watch and you'll listen to anything. Uh, it's just one of those things: garbage in, garbage out. If you are reserving yourself. Uh, in several different areas of your life to, to maintain a, a, a standard of cleanliness, it's going to pay off, period. Um, the other thing is the point that I made kind of earlier, just, just uh, a minute ago, about that clean and unclean isn't necessarily righteous and sinful. Uh, and I think it's an important point for people to understand that uh, these standards are about um, being set apart for a purpose, a specific purpose, and and not being set apart for that purpose. And so um, clean and unclean uh, is something we should strive for, uh, but there are certain things that we do on a weekly basis that make us uh, ceremonially unclean. And so to to then say that that is, is sinful would be saying that, hey, Yeshua, when he touched a dead body, or Yeshua, when he healed the woman with the issue of blood, uh, was unclean, and uh, or was sinful. And we know that he never sinned. Uh, and so we can we can point that very clearly that, uh, that he wasn't... Um, wasn't sinful, so I guess that means that being unclean doesn't necessarily always equal um, sinful. So, man, interesting stuff. I know when you guys were thinking about discharges and you were thinking about Leviticus, you were probably not thinking that we were going to have all this cool stuff to talk about, but man, we really do, uh, because these things pertain to our everyday lives and they're they're real uh, subjects. And so, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we love you guys. We're, we're very appreciative, again, of those of you that are giving online at topraise.net. Uh, we're thankful for those of you that are listening, for sharing our, our stuff uh, out there in social media and elsewhere, helping people connect with the podcast. Uh, we just want to get uh, the message of Torah out there and take away the stigma and the idea that somehow this is bondage, because it's just not. It's just not. It's just simple, loving instructions from a, a loving and gracious father to his, his children. And so we're just grateful to our Abba for giving them to us. And so 
Uh, bless you guys. If you want to reach out, again, it's ryan at topraise.net. Uh, call the office if you need anything for Passover. Again, that's 813-654-2222. Or you can email me and we'll get you connected with the right folks here at the church to get those items. Uh, and uh, that's it. God bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>